Father's Day is such an amazing opportunity to honor our dads, honor um, those dads among us, those as Sam's father that have passed away that aren't with us anymore. And I love this idea of honor. And I've kind of like, it's one of these words that we see often in the Bible. And it's this, the, one of the commands, the, the, the first commandment with a promise that we have from God is honor your father and mother, right? So this is, and why? What's the promise behind it? That you may live a long life in the land that God has given you. So it's actually, there is a result for doing this well, and then I also know that there's a tension sometimes because not all fathers, in fact, no fathers, are perfect. Some may seem great. Some may seem quite pathetic, quote, in our minds in the way that they do the fathering thing. But the reality is sometimes it's hard to honor fathers. And that's a hard thing on holidays like this where it's like, oh, I have a great dad, you know. And Sam is able to like speak to the greatness of his dad. And that's awesome. For some people in this room, that might be like... That's a short list and I don't know, but it doesn't mean, I'm right? I mean, that's real. There's, there's dysfunction in every father. And I wanna say that that's real, that's normal. No father has got it made except the one father in heaven who is over all of us and all of that. But I know there's also this tension because we have another command in scripture that says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Okay, and that is another really powerful one. And I've addressed this a lot with our students because sometimes we get in this tension that's like, well, what if my parents aren't good to obey? Or like, how do I not obey my parents if it's this? And it says, well, that command in there is, I don't wanna say they're asking how not to obey their parents. I'm rambling. Um, But no, like there is this, this disclaimer on that that says in the Lord. So I do believe that there's a command to children, obey your parents in the Lord, according to the Lord's ways. And I'd be honest to say that there are parts of what I would, you know, maybe command to my kids that maybe I don't want them to obey letter for letter, word for word. If I may have, it might be a, a weak spot in my own heart and life. I hope then my children can discern what is the way of God in the Lord. What does that look like and obey me accordingly? Now, honor is a very different word in in scripture and throughout. And I think it's really important to clarify that because I think that's really important in this holiday as we honor our fathers. And honor is not the same as obey. Honor is an action or way of living your life in a way that brings honor to your mother and father. It's actually your life speaking to the legacy of generation after generation after generation. Like Sam's video talked about, his dad set a legacy out and Sam is honoring his dad's legacy by the way he's living his life, not just by making a video, but I get to attest to Sam's life and walking and seeing his life in the part that I do. And he is honoring his father well by the way he's living his life. And if you know Sam, you go like, wow, his dad must be something special, right? that's honoring your mother and your father. So you can actually not obey your parents and still honor them and bring honor to them if their lives and the things they're asking you to obey are not in the Lord, there's an opportunity to still bring honor. And I think that's really important on a day like this, regardless of what your father was or wasn't, this is a day to honor your father by the way you choose to walk your life, the way you pursue God, all those kind of things. Because I know as a dad, the greatest honor I receive is when someone comes to me and says, oh man, Ben, your son was, he came and helped mulch in my yard and man, he worked so hard. And then, you know, I go like, yeah, that's pretty awesome. You know, he is pretty amazing. You know, I get, that's, that's my children. Not, I didn't, 
I didn't give them a command to go mulch well. They chose a life that, that brought honor to their mother and father by following in the ways of God, walking in those ways outside the commands of mom and dad. There's a difference there and apart from that. So I think that's a beautiful thing that we get to do that regardless of your father's achievement or wherever he may have been strong or weak, today is an opportunity to build on the legacy because every father has things that he's imparted to you that are worthy of building on. And if we don't choose to build in honor on the things our fathers placed for us, then we miss the opportunity to grow and to live a long life in the land that God has given us. Does that make sense? So we actually grab that thing and say, okay, if my dad was fantastic or not the greatest, what can I build so that the legacy I give to my kids is something more for them to grow? And hopefully we all leave the shortcomings of our fathers behind and we move on and grow our family legacies in every generation. It's every prayer for every parent in the room is that, man, I hope my parents don't, or I hope my kids don't pick up my stuff. I hope they pick up all my great stuff. That would be the cry of every generation to build legacies, that we don't just throw it all away and go, oh, it was awful. It's go like, what was great? Let's build on that. So that's my encouragement to you today. This Father's Day is to look, view, seek out, you know, as you spend time with your father, reflect on your father, and all of your life is like, what, what am I taking away? What am I building on? What am I adding as God you know, fills me, leads me, guides me. What am I choosing to do? Because I think that's really important. Because honestly, at the end of the day, no father is worthy of honor except our father in heaven. So it's not a matter of, oh, my father wasn't worthy of, of, all, of honor. No, none of us are. We choose to honor our fathers. We choose to honor one another. We, by response, we honor God. Does that make sense? And in that choosing to honor our fathers, we are honoring God, because we're living a life that says, ooh, and John's verse that he shared during the offering was the same way. Let, let your light shine. Is that where it started? Before men? So that, wow. Yeah, so that the, even the pagans, as they see your good deeds, will glorify your God in heaven. Okay, this is where we bring glory and honor to God by the way we walk our lives. And this is a repetitious thing that we build, a repetition thing that we build a legacy upon. Does that make sense? So, I'm getting a little off, but anyway, so my encouragement to you on that. Um, I do wanna dive in kind of attached to this topic today on kind of what I wanna really talk about, and this was inspired by a conversation with a friend recently as we were just talking through like what it is that causes us to think, do, and react to people and to situations and different things in different ways, and so today I'm gonna, I'm gonna teach on judgment <laughs> Yay, right? Anyway, and judging, right? No, I like judgment. Revelation 14, are you right? No, um, not that way, not where we're going exactly. So I know, right? Here we go. We'll get the hellfire and brimstone going. Um, no, I do, but I do want to talk about judging today because I think this overlays this Father's Day piece because fathers have such influence in our lives that oftentimes, what I was referring to before, judgment rises up in our heart according to the shortcomings of our fathers. And that obviously trickles down into all kinds of relationships and places. So I feel like this is a pointed word in how we walk out what it looks like to bring honor to God, bring honor to our mothers and fathers, to walk in obedience, all of these things. So my message is entitled, you ready? 
What's, I know, happy Father's Day. What's your measure? And this is pulled out of a wonderful scripture, um, Matthew 7, 2. And it says, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And this is a repeated theme throughout the New Testament that is one of those like kind of, oh, are we really gonna talk about that? Because I think we all can probably feel a certain level of conviction on this one, like, oh, done that, right? Yes, we have. We're all guilty of these things. It's great, but it's also wonderful to recognize it and say, okay, God, what do we do with this? And not just try to cover it up and act like it's not happening, but to go, all right, God, what does this look like? Because conviction is a holy, wonderful thing that can bring us to this place. And I think to recognize that is so, so important. And so some of these other scriptures, Luke 6, 37, do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. These are very clear, like not gray areas. It's very clear directives. Romans 2, 1, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you, because you who pass judgment do the very same things. James 4, 12, there's only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? These are really clear things that we lay out. And I think sometimes in the church world, we like to take judgment and we overlay it with this beautiful Christian word called discernment and we make it feel like it's okay. Does that make sense? Now, discernment's very real, but discernment is also a spiritual gift of God that does what God does. It doesn't do what the enemy does. The outcome is a big differential between discernment and judgment. It's relational. Judgment pulls people apart relationally, right? Discernment opens a door and creates hope for restoration, correction, and righteousness. Does that make sense? There's very big difference between the two. And so it's really easy to discern for yourself where you're at on that. And I'm sure we all kind of vacillate back and forth where we're like, oh, I'm judging, you know. And it is, look at how it's affecting the relationships you're having with the people involved in the situation. Discernment's a very real and very important thing for us to have. Discernment gives us the ability to put up healthy boundaries. It helps us to shut doors, but not lock them. Judgment locks a door and says, hmm, okay? Discernment says, hey, we're gonna put up a wall here but it's unlocked and there's hope and potential for restoration and relationship to come here. This is how Jesus operated. Jesus didn't judge. He actually even says it right here. Um, says John 12, 47, if anyone hears my words but does not keep them, I do not judge that person. For I did not come to judge the world but to save the world. His discernment was perfect as we know, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, walking with the Holy Spirit at all times. So in every situation, Jesus was discerning what was going on. Well, his discernment produced open doors to repentance, correction, life, and relationship, okay? That's what his discernment produced. If he was judging, it would have been different because judgment means separation, Okay, is that kind of making sense as we go on to this? So Jesus sets this stage and sets this table on how 
to decipher between the two, and it's really important to see. We see it repeatedly through Jesus' interactions with people like Zacchaeus, okay? Zacchaeus was way out of line, way out of bounds. Jesus could have come. He was a teacher of the law, a Pharisee. He had all the rights and all the responsibilities to come at this outcast of the Jewish system who was like stealing from people, cheating from people, all this stuff. Jesus goes, let's have dinner. I'd love to have sat at that table and hear that conversation. Like there's so many of those openings in scripture that make me go, if I have any wherewithal when I get to heaven to ask questions, you know, because I think I will ask that question. I'll probably just be like, oh, anyway, like, but I may not have, like, I'll just be totally overtaken. But for now, right, I think these are one of the questions. This and what did he write in the sand? Right? These are like, I'm like, what did you say to Zacchaeus? There's a handful of them, but those are a couple where Jesus enters into this, this moment with Zacchaeus, a total, like, this guy was super messed up, everything, all his priorities out of whack, and something in the conversation of Jesus, his discernment that said, you, it's dinner with you tonight, of the whole crowd, it was him. And discernment said, there's opening, there's a doorway to, res- to restoration, to relationship, and that's what this is about. We see it again in... Um, the woman caught in adultery, right? Neither do I condemn you. This is Jesus is like, again, I'm not here to judge. I'm here to save you. Now, I don't condemn you. However, it's not this soft, ooey gooey, greasy grace, like just do it. He goes, stop sinning. Go and sin no more, he commands her. He's like, he's not wishy-washy, but he is very much like, hey, I don't condemn you. Come, relationship Let's do this. Stop this lifestyle. Step up to your pay grade that you're worthy of. This was Jesus' discernment that caused him to address dysfunction in a way that restored people and opened the door to relationship rather than rejecting them. We see this in both Peter and Judas, okay, right? Both of them, total mess ups on the night of the crucifixion of all the days to mess up, right? These two guys, right? And Jesus still, he had total discernment of Judas's heart, his intentions, his actions. He knew what was going on, called him out for it, right? And still could have been, could have said, mm, you know what, this last supper is really special. I'm gonna keep him out on this one. But no, Jesus said, let's have him on this one. I'm gonna wash his feet. I'm gonna share dinner, break bread with this guy. His discernment was like, Jesus, I can't do that. You know, if I knew what Jesus knew in some of those situations, I don't know that I could do what Jesus did. But as followers of Jesus, it's our command, our mandate to do what Jesus did. So we look at these things and with, and in that, Jesus opens the door, holds the door open for a relationship. Judas walks out. Peter blows it and walks out. But here's the difference. Judas judged himself. (laughs) Peter got discernment. Both could have come because the door was open. One chose judgment and one chose discernment. And Peter returned in repentance, woke up to his own failure, came to Jesus, right? Same table, Jesus was like, Peter, you're gonna deny me three times. He's like, oh. it's like, how many of you think, like, how could you screw that one up? Like, like the first one, maybe, but then you'd be like, oh my gosh, that's one out of three. Like, he did, he walked out all three. It's crazy to me to think, like, But yet Jesus' heart, his discernment, calling that out, isn't that nuts? Like, I just, anyway, Adam and Eve, I just go like, are you kidding me? But but something in that moment, right, in the wonderful brilliance of humanity, we do this, right? So Judas and Peter experience this life. 
oh man, the religious leaders, he was constant. The woman at the well, his discernment said, hey, I know all about you. I'm not pushing you out, I'm drawing you in. This is the life of Christ. So why do we judge so easy? It's because we have limited knowledge. It's because our experience, our framework lacks the ability to see all things for all points and all purposes. And we will naturally by our brain just land on a conclusion. We'll see what we see based on our experience and we'll just go, that's that. Can I challenge us as a church, as a body, as the body of Christ to think a little broadly? Open up your heart to go, I don't know everything. So approach people as people, not end results. And find those people that are on the outs, on the this, whether it's family, friends, whether it's neighbors, coworkers. We've got all kinds of communities of people in the world that we live in. And we have real hard truths that we stand on in the Bible that are Christ-centered, all of that. And we don't relent on the truth. But man, do we sit down and have dinner with Ezekiel's? Do we open the door to relationship and say, what's your story? What is driving this? So that we can find the places in people's hearts where there's a softness. And though we may disagree, hard line on some things, there's always a sense of, wow, but when I'm around them, I feel like I could stay. And that would be the discernment in our heart that says, hey, this isn't about your behavior and I'm not trying to get rid of you. I'm I want to know why you think this is so we find a place of possible understanding and they experience the working of the Holy Spirit in their heart and in their mind. And that's how we see a turning of some of these hardline realities that we're in the world right now. Have you noticed we're more divided today than ever, ever in history? Kind of comes to all this feedback loop that we live in in a social media world, right? You are conditioned to be right, always. Because you're This is that measure for measure. In the measure you measure with, it'll be measured back to you. Social media is that thing. It's like, what do I like? What do I like? Social media says, good, I'll feed you tons of that and convince you every single day about every single issue that you are right. And so is it doing it to the other person. So we come together to have a conversation and go like, I know every study and everything and every news article and everything, it all says I'm right. And they're going, well, I know every study and every article and everything, I'm right. And the enemy is taking victory after victory in this place of contention where we're not going, where's discernment? We go, I'm right, you're wrong, judgment. And we divide rather than saying, where are we at? Okay, we'll make the hard statements. We stand on truth. There's no flexing on that any more than Jesus did. But Jesus also in standing on total truth was always discerning how to open a door to restoration and relationship. That's the call of the church So may we repent of judgment. May we love one another deeply because love covers a multitude of sins and we're not the judge, that's God's job. What a wonderful thing. Would you stand with me? I got one verse I wanna read over you as we move on for a wonderful Father's Day that we would seek discernment in the way that we love our fathers the way we love our family, the way we love our children, that this would be what drives us is a attraction to relationship, not departure from one another. Galatians 5.14 says, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. Aren't we seeing that? 
So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. This is a command that is not like, oh, I feel like and I want to do this. It's going, no, what is right, what is true, what is about relationship, family, one another, that we would not destroy one another, especially in the church, but certainly in the world as we go. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the access point to God in the world because they don't have a temple yet. So they come to a temple to meet deity and they find God when they meet you. Until they have their own temple, you're it. Now, you don't carry a weight and a burden. You don't control and you don't change lives, but you do steward the opportunity and the atmosphere that's around you where people say, ooh, that's that. I want that. And they find their own temple as the Holy Spirit moves in. And we see the world transformed as he comes and changes lives, changes minds, changes thought process, all this stuff. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you for your amazing grace over us, God. We thank you for the ability to discern because we have your Holy Spirit, God. We pray that you would teach our hearts, God, to lay down judgment, God, and see what you see and desire what you desire, God, that the world would be drawn to who you are, God, because the door is open. God, we thank you for us, God, that the door is open for us in our failures and our mistakes and our missteps. And God, that you seek restoration in every day and every season of life, God. So today we repent where we recognize we're wrong and we come joyfully back to your feet, God, to say, teach me again your ways. Teach me to walk in your ways that we would never fall under judgment of ourselves, but that we would simply be convicted and repent because it's joy to be restored to you, God. We bless all the fathers, all the families, sons and daughters as we go out today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.